2: Hello and welcome to the Runners World podcast with me Rick Pearson and me Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with sports psychologist Stuart Holiday about how to become a mentally stronger runner.
3: No, well you do. I I missed it. Oh, yeah, so yeah, you're I'm, right. Actually, it's just me. <laughs> I'm immediately weaker from a mental <laughs> yeah, perspective. Yeah. Well, you have to
2: you have to tune into the interview, Ben. That you know, I will you have to, I'll have to get some hot insights, tips. Gain all the insights. Yeah, yeah, it's good actually. I mean, it's, it's kind of talking about um, the idea. Really, is like it's it's practical things. So it's we don't go, we don't go into sort of deep psychological theory it's like what can i actually right. do in training and racing to applicable better good. deal with um the, the sort of mental rigors of endurance racing if you will
3: that is good yeah yeah, because it's not unpacking the psychology no. of running and that which is quite a big thing this is actually like right i'm struggling i'm going to struggle at this beat how do i cope with that element of racing Gonna feel bad. I'm gonna feel good. How to Max. It's good stuff, Rick. I, I'm, I'm looking forward it's, to it's this. Service,
2: thing. It's service stuff. It's not. We, we didn't sort of ponder, you know, what do we mean when we say mental strength? You know, it wasn't gossip. It. it wasn't any of that. Great. Right.
3: What was the What was the hottest takeaway you had? <laughs> the hottest takeaway I had was um, oh, this that is good. you're going to
2: use next. Yeah. So, um, so to to reframe mental strength, think of it a little bit more like emotional flexibility. Ooh. So being, to be like To being flexible with um, with what's happening during a race, and that is actually more powerful than thinking about being a kind of some sort of mental <laughs> yeah. warrior.
3: I can see that the strength, the, even just the word use of the word strength, implies that you can't fail. Yeah, I know or, what you mean. Do you it's know sort of what I mean? Macho, also, we it? have to be overtly strong, whereas you say flexi- emotional flexibility. Is that mm. what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds much more, much more sort of pliable. Yes, exactly. And yeah. So that's I like that already. Great
2: that's it he kind of compared it to like if you want um, you know when they're kind of earthquake proof buildings and actually it's about letting them be sort of resistant to to movement and they can kind of have some flex and that's actually what real strength is when it comes to motions. it's being able to flex and bend without breaking rather than just being you know thinking you're static and strong that's not actually going to get you anywhere
3: this is good stuff, this brilliant. is good it's a,
2: stuff. It's a brilliant episode, I'll be honest. It's a, it's a fantastic episode. episode. It's a fantastic
3: Recommended.
2: Piece of audio, that everyone should listen to. Um, how's your running, Ben? How's it all going?
3: It was good. I, I went on holiday. Okay. Um, And we were in Dorset, which I haven't been to before. Been to Devon before. You've never been Not to Dorset. the county of Dorset? I don't think so. And I'm from Wiltshire, so it's a bit of a surprise because there's neighbouring. Yeah. Um, but anyway, fantastic <laughs> running. Great running. I can't, I can't um, believe that. It's
2: like me saying I've never been to Brighton or something. It's just Yeah,
3: it's mad, isn't it? Wow. Oh, what a life I live. What a life, mate. Um, either way, the running was fantastic. I went, it's very it's very up and down um, where oh, we yeah, were, yeah. which was made a real treat from sort of like the flats of, well, London. <laughs> the ones um, did. The ones <laughs> did, literally the flats. <laughs> um, so it was really good. And I went and just um, found as many bridleways and footpaths as I could to to run up and down. Okay. And yeah, lots of sort of, actually things I don't think anyone's walked down for a, yeah, a right. few months because yeah. it was incredibly like overgrown and I had to turn around a few times. But um, yeah, it was lovely. Really, really nice. Oh, and nice. I got mean, I got a bit more practice going up and down, which I haven't done for ages. You know, you kind of think that you're going to be, it's a skill that you're just have yeah. but then you go you you know you're you're forced to run down a, a grassy bank that's like probably like 20 yeah, percent yeah to get to the next bit and you're actually like oh well, this is really hard i've got to concentrate and, yeah, you know yeah. in your head you're going oh, quick feet quick feet relax relax quick feet come on let's lean 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 into it ooh, ooh, and all this and anyway so i had fun doing that nice, um so yeah the running's going all right oh, it's going good. fine i'm nowhere near um i'm gonna I, I hurt my back a bit and that has curtailed the serious side of training okay yeah. for the big half so you know i'm putting my excuses in early for diminished performance <laughs> but um yeah i mean it's happening but whether or not i'll be able to follow you it, depending on how your running's going but i imagine it's probably going all right
2: it's going it's been going all right I did, I did quite a lot of running in the week yes um like just up in the i actually won double day never do a double day just end what? up doing a double day i know
3: you're mad man Probably
2: like five miles but it's like gone twice today uh i think it's because i had to run i had to run somewhere and it wasn't it was kind of like it was uh oh it was It was. this is bad it was it was um car on the mot drove drove to the mot place ran back then had to run to oh. get the car again and then uh get the car service
3: yeah. that's good using it as a job I using like it as a it. job
2: yeah but no yeah fine don't think i'm in, in shape to do anything uh particularly impressive but I've got confidence. I can get round in like a like semi okay time. So
3: let's see. Do you think you are you? Is your are you keeping the one thirty dream alive though? I'm
2: keeping it alive, mate. Um, I think I might have underestimated how hard it is, but <laughs> <Yeah. 'cause> I've <laughs>
3: done it before. I just a bit like,
2: yeah, that'd be all right. Um, but no. who yeah, so I don't know. I, I could actually be on a bit of a hide into nothing
3: with that, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> go That's for it. Happens.
3: Yeah. What's your going? What's your, What's your strategy going to be? Is it going to be go out? Just immediately race pace to see how long you can last.
2: No, I, I reckon, yeah, like stay on track, but de- I won't be going a lot. I won't be going much faster
3: because I haven't got, I haven't got the confidence at the minute to be like, man, to go. This is Good stuff. Yeah, this is good stuff. This stay is in the two, game. Stay in the game. two runners slowly but surely talking themselves off a ledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Good, good. Well, we're probably both going to need
2: some emotional flexibility, Ben, to, uh, regardless of the outcome. I would say. Nice segue. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So let's, uh, let's get Stuart Holliday on to hear how to become a more mentally mature, flexible and stronger athlete. Guest
3: of the week, here in the studio, guest of the week, sometimes on the phone, could be an athlete, could be a physio or a complete
1: unknown.
2: So today we're speaking with sports psychologist Stuart Holliday about how to become a more mentally tough runner. So Stuart, thanks very much for your time and coming on the Runners World podcast. Great to be here. Could you give us a a very quick overview into the work you do in this area, just so we can get a sense of, of your background and your expertise?
4: Yeah, so I... I'm someone with over eight years' experience in the field. I did work for Steve Peters' chimp management company in the beginning. If you know anything oh, about yeah, that, a yeah. lot of runners resonate with the chimp model, and I talk to my athletes a lot about that. Uh, I've got a, a company which is called Endurance Mind Coaching, which specializes in helping athletes in all endurance um, sports, so that whether that's running, try, swimming, cycling. And that's the area where I've got the most depth of experience and interest myself. Although I've got experience working with Olympic archery, Paralympic swimming, the England netball team, and I used to work for Liverpool Football Club. So I've got really good foundation across different sports, but endurance and running in particular are my passions.
2: Do you think then that mental toughness is something that you can improve, or do you think that certain people are kind of born with more mental toughness than others?
4: That's a really interesting question, and uh, we could get stuck in the weeds all day long around that. And what we're really talking about is someone's psychological aptitude to cope with the demands of their sport. And what we find is, when you look at the kind of sports I've just described there, and we can go into the detail of running in particular, because endurance sports got a few different elements to it that don't occur so much in some of the other ones we've said there, that you get these young performers that are on programmes and they get exposed to challenge, they get exposed to having to perform in competition and the question there is chicken and egg. Do those people perform well from a young age because they've been exposed to it and they've learned the skills as they've gone and had good coaches and support people around them or is it because they're born talented? And I think really when we look at the um, research, we find that, those people who've been in the sport longer tend to be more mentally tough. Um, but where, where it comes from isn't necessarily innate. And everyone's got a, a baseline of kind of mental toughness, if that's what you want to call it. And then it is trainable. And I guess the easiest way to think about that is if you, where that gets used the most outside of sport is in the army and armed forces, where you think about what you see on the SAS program, where yeah, people right. are put yeah. through very hard. Programs of challenges, and they are developing mental toughness in soldiers and other armed forces.
2: To get into the specifics of of running, then, what, when it comes to mental strength in running, what, what do you think are some of the the kind of the key challenges that that, that runners face um, in terms of the sport we've chosen to dedicate our time to?
4: I mean, the key challenge when you think about it is that we will doing whether it's. Um, a 10k race, if you're doing marathon or even if you're going up to ultra, ultimately, it's going to get harder the longer you go. Yeah. So even in a 10k where it's a bit short and sharp in comparison distance-wise, you know, between, say, mile four or five in that particular discipline, it's going to get really hard to maintain the pace and your brain will be trying to get you to slow down or stop because ultimately your mind is trying to protect you And when you're pushing it at that kind of limit, you're battling the desire and training you've got in your body against your mind, which is saying, whoa, we don't need to do this. Why are you doing this?
2: Um,
4: So that's the key thing that we're kind of really working with. And of course, there's other aspects as well, which you've got to tie into people who are runners, busy lifestyles, stressful lifestyles, fitting in training, and then wanting to turn up and post the kind of times and results that they really, really want.
2: What are some of the techniques then that runners can use to get through the the tougher parts of a a training session or a race?
4: That's a really good uh, question because that's essentially where I do all my work, (laughs) working with athletes. I think anyone listening to this who, you know, there must be a a runner of some level. They've got some experience. They've done some races. You're not coming into this with a complete... um, blank slate you, you've got talents and skills that you use already but maybe you just don't know that you're doing them and so I often hear people say oh I've got a mantra when I run and it helps me get through well you know that's one of the tools that we help develop with athletes and um, the athlete might have that already and all we're doing is layering on more specifics and knowledge from science in order to help people make the most of that talent and skill so you'll have skills and talents some people have visualization that's another one where people often will come and say oh I do this I think about where it's going to be tough in the race and I I, you know, I prepare myself mentally for the hard bits, which is brilliant. That's a concept we call priming. So often think about going to the dentist. If you think, oh, my God, this is going to be terrible and like I'm going yeah. to have the drill and it's going to hurt. Then when you actually go and you come out from that dentist appointment, maybe you have had some work done on your teeth. You might say something like, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. So your visualization actually prepares you for some of the pain and difficulty in a way that mm. helps. And the other thing that one of the key things that I really like helping runners with is something like chunking, which is just a way of thinking about an upcoming race of whatever distance and breaking it down into smaller pieces, getting through each of those smaller pieces, and all of a sudden you're at the finish and you've got hopefully a good result.
2: With something like physical fitness, it's very measurable, isn't it? If you're if you're getting fitter, um, with ment when when as far as getting mentally tougher, are there any? things that people can look at and think actually i'm i'm improving in this area this is something that's that's working for me um these techniques are working how would you how would you measure that
4: yeah i mean measuring is is a is a hard one because one of the things that's true about all sport and running in particular is it's not linear uh it's a wiggly line and you know you can have a generally good set of races that are going up but you'll have dips and you'll have successes along the way. And what I'd be working with athletes, and this is where I might differ about describing it as mentally tough, where I come in and work with athletes is say, I want you to be mentally flexible. So I describe myself as a bit of a strength and conditioning coach for the mind. And that's where I'm talking about that baseline. I want, when I work with an athlete, I want to know where are you at in terms of your strengths and weaknesses. And if you go to the gym and you do strength work, you'll know that maybe you're really good on a deadlift, but you're not so good on the shoulder work or whatever. Yeah. So with an athlete i'm looking to find out where they're strong and where they've got areas for growth and then help them realize that it's perfectly normal to want to slow down and stop it's perfectly normal to have that voice chattering away to you in your head and then guiding the athlete to kind of work with some of the skills they've got and put in some additional help in order to be able to maximize the opportunity when it comes to the tough stuff and build and build and when you're flexible emotionally you don't get too swayed by the negative results you don't get too giddy with the good ones but you've got a really strong sense of um, ability and that you'll be able to learn from each race learn from training sessions and make adjustments as you go and often adjustments in a race as well.
2: In terms of um, the role that running with others can play because I think there's there's some studies I've read about you're prepared to try hard or, or perhaps things feel slightly easier when you're running in a group. What, what advice would you have to people in terms of when it comes to training and racing, uh, trying to do it, trying to find like-minded people or people of a similar ability to, to do it with? And, and what, what impact could that have on how mentally tough you are in those moments?
4: I mean, the whole field of sports psychology came about because a guy in the 1800s recognized that when we're up against other people in a competitive situation, we exert more effort, we compete harder. So training with anyone, by definition, should make certain gains. One of the things we know from sports psychology is that if you train psychological skills, we generally see an improvement in performance. And that's a a relatively recognised and agreed thing. And often in that social setting, you're pushing each other on. In running, I'd say, compared to certain other sports, it, even though it's an individual sport, you see teams of runners, whether that's in Kenya or down a local uh, running club, tend to be quite supportive and want their clubmates and friends to do well. And you know if you're spending as much time running, you're on the whole very competitive with yourself, and it just gives you that little nudge to push yourself that bit harder that you might not do if you're running on your own. So I'd always advocate, if you're doing lots of training try and do the hard stuff for the long runs and whatever you can with others but also you've got to do training on your own so that when you're in a race situation if you do get caught in no man's land you're able to cope you've been there you've done it and you can get through it so it's about blending the two really this is the runner's world podcast small details
2: are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat
0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: It's funny when you said earlier about the the kind of the voice that comes into your head running. I think anyone listening will be very familiar with that voice, and it can be a very um, convincing, compelling voice, particularly if you're trying hard in the latter part of a race. In terms of what you can actually do to to ignore that voice, what 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 do you, what do you tell your clients, people you work with, like because it because it can be it can seem like a kind of deafening, unignorable voice sometimes in these events and and something that's very difficult to to sort of rise above.
4: I would I would say first of all, don't ignore it.
2: Okay, that's right. the
4: first thing. Yeah, um, what we're seeing is that as I was explaining what happens to our body and mind, and look at, think of the body and mind as one system. Don't look at them as separate things. They're they're all connected. When we're running on the limit, your ventilatory threshold, if that's what um, you want to get into the science of it, it hurts. It's painful. And as you go further and further into a race, that's only going to get exacerbated. And training psychological skills just helps you cope better. So as you're training yourself in in the running training racing environment that voice that you you're hearing um one of the key researchers in the area of mental toughness says stop listening to that voice and being passive and start talking to that voice and embrace embrace what it might be saying and spend the time in training trying to find ways in which to placate it and override The message that might be given and there's a runner I'm thinking about who I know very well who said that there's and this is a guy who's achieved times that we'd all be really proud of if we had done well he said he's never had a race of any distance where that voice hasn't been there so first of all don't even think that you could just get rid of it it's always going to be there but it's almost like a calling sign that you're doing your job well if you're hearing that voice you're running hard you're running on your limit. And then we're using skills in how we talk to ourselves, whether that's trying to motivate ourselves by saying, come on, let's keep going, keep going, and and nurturing that, or whether it's one of um, being able to actually give yourself instruction. It might be that you're really hurting, and instead of focusing on the pain, you might start thinking about your footfall, you might start thinking about your cues, is your head looking up as you're running along, are your arms moving in sync? And when we start focusing on those kind of things, the the pain won't go away, but we're managing the pain and we're using our our full psychological repertoire to get through it. And before you know it, you're another mile along, you're another mile nearer the finish.
2: I think one of uh, the examples was used that Paula Radcliffe used to count to 100. And by the time she counted to 100, she'd done a a kilometre or a mile or something. Um, And I guess it's, it was that kind of external thing, like you were talking about, where you concentrate on something that isn't necessarily your own misery, and that actually that goes some way to diminish some of the pain. Is that, is that something that, that you that you recommend to everyone? Is that as you try to concentrate on something other than what you're going through, can that be helpful?
4: It it's athlete dependent, and this is where okay, right. doing it in training, uh, practicing in training, practicing in more minor races, maybe trying some of these techniques in say park runs on the way to a half marathon or a marathon is perfect because if you look at a runner in America like Scott Fobel he is someone who when the pain comes he absolutely relishes it you look at his results over the last few years and he is getting the results through brilliant um, pain management and he can he'll say things to himself like come on Scott you can go deeper yeah so He's not running away from the pain or distracting. He's actually going for it. But what works for him might not work for another runner. And it might be that you need to do that distraction. And that's where something like chunking comes in. You think, right, I'm just going to run from where I am now to that lamppost, then onto the bin, then round the track or whatever it might be. And you break it down and just try to get through the smaller parts or as Radcliffe did, counting. But each each individual athlete has a different profile and you need to find what kind of athlete you are. And this is where you can have fun with it. The more that you approach doing your psychological skills training as fun, the more likely you're going to be like, okay, yeah, you know, before I found this crippling and anxiety inducing, but now it's like, it's going to hurt. I'm going to find the way to manage it better. And you've got to find what works for you.
2: I like that. I think that's really good. Um, With mantras, am I right in thinking that they are more effective if you refer to yourself as you, rather than I.
4: Yeah. So this is coming from the work of Dr. Noel Brook, who's a colleague over in Northern Ireland. And he and I have chatted many times about different skills that runners use. And yeah, in the in the early stages of a race, it can be quite helpful to be saying, right, I've got this. I'm doing all right. Yeah, we're ticking okay. along nicely. Um, we're making nice pace. We're looking good. Everything's going well. And then towards the end of a race or the end of a session, if you flip it from I to you, it's almost as if you've got a second person, a coach or someone else there. And next time you go and do park room, think about maybe going out and thinking about using this method. Think about starting with I. And then as it's getting tougher in the last few K or the last mile, switch it to you and see what difference that makes and like cheerlead yourself to the finish and see what the impact is on your time, on how you feel you ran, what it feels like as the actual experience. I
2: remember um, hearing Steve Magnus talk about um, mental strength and he said that that we we were mentally strong about the things we cared about, so motivation played a huge part. So if you had a, if you had a strong why, I guess um, your mental strength would be uh, might be tougher than it would be if you if you weren't, you know, if there wasn't a particularly meaningful reason for doing a race. Is that your experience? And how can people go about, or, or I guess how important is, is getting that strong why when you're when you're trying to sort of push through something that's painful?
4: It's it, it's one of the facets of what we're talking about here. Mm. If you're if you're knowing why you're doing what you're doing and you take a little bit, one of the things I'd always be saying is if you're an athlete of any level, and I don't mean that of the top end people, i talk about normal club runners here, you might have a training diary and just as well as having the times and the splits, and whatever, make a column for like reflection and how well you're doing as you go through your training and like maybe you have a really tough training session and you feel it hasn't gone well, but you got through it. And that shows emotional flexibility, which is what I was describing earlier, more than mental toughness. Maybe you were mentally tough by getting through the session. But being emotionally flexible allows you to be able to take an objective view. So by reflecting, you're capturing that and then tie that to your why. So if you're training over 13 weeks for a marathon, for instance, you've got a long training diary, you've got all the splits, all the stats, and you've got some commentary. And at the top, you should think about Why is it I'm doing this race and why am I going for the kind of performance that I want? And then when, as you kind of look at the end of your training cycle in the taper and you've got that nice commentary down the side from against all the runs and you've got your reason and rationale for why you're doing it, that's a really powerful way in which you're going to go into your big event.
2: Would you recommend anyone putting a session in, in a, in a training uh, program that was primarily about testing mental strength? obviously certain things like interval sessions are going to test that anyway but something that was like actually specifically for that benefit of like maybe a session that was almost too difficult or had that component really baked in
4: i mean i with my athletes we're doing that all the time it's uh yeah we we're, we're working from the get go and across the training cycle and i'm trying to get people to use these small skills regularly in their training because people are busy most people i work with have other jobs even the couple of Elite-level runners, I've got work and have things they do. So they've got work, they've got private lives, um, they've got the running, which if if you're at the top end, you're doing up to 100-mile weeks kind of thing. There's not a lot of time in the system. And so, oh, sit down and spend an hour doing sports psychology. It's not really realistic. So I'm trying to get people to just practice stuff in training all the time. Track is a great place to be testing these out And the one thing I'd say in answer to your question is rather than having a specific one off session where it's like, let's test mental strength, just be doing it incrementally across sessions. So when you're going to the track, always having that little coach like word with yourself about, right, I'm going to give everything to this session. I'm going to try and be positive. If I feel negative, I'm going to try and reframe it in a positive way to encourage myself in the way we're describing with some of the skills and strategies we talked about. And I'm going to just, Put it out there, and I think if you start doing that in the early st- stages of uh, a training cycle, for instance, if you if you come off the end of the session and you sit down with your training log, you think, "Wow, yeah, you know, I, I I did get through that session. Next time I go, I'm going to do more of the same, or I might tweak what I did on that fourth rep or whatever." And so it kind of builds, and that's usually where we see success. So you think about um, uh, strength and conditioning. You're saying, "Would you do a one one rep?" max style session i was like well you could probably call that what are your races so you could do your training build up and then oh i've got a 10k okay well let's use the 10k as a test bed all these things you've used in training do it in a race it's always a different experience and like then give yourself a chance don't be too critical i must use all these skills and i've got to nail it or otherwise it's a failure use it as a test environment that you're going to try different things at different points of the races based off what you know in training and then summarize afterwards when you've got a clear head a few days later and see what worked for you
2: how specific would you say uh mental strength training is for instance is the mental strength required to run your best 5k very similar to the mental strength required to run your best marathon or do you really need to think very sort of event specific with with this stuff
4: how you run a 5k is a different beast to a marathon Mm. pretty much if you're doing a 5k well whatever your time you're going all out You'd never go all out like that in a marathon. And it's a lot more of a strategic chunking exercise. Mm. And you can gain, say you're doing 5Ks in the build-up to a marathon, maybe in the early part of the training cycle, you can gain quite a lot of confidence. And one of the things around mental toughness is building self-belief, and a willingness to suffer. They're the two key concepts that we're dealing with here. So you're putting yourself out there. And you know if you're doing a 5K through training, you're doing a lot of extra miles as well. So you'll be practicing different stuff. But yeah, you don't expect it just to transition. Whatever you do in this race, do it in the longer distance that follows. You've got to tailor it to the discipline that you're in. You mentioned Steve Magnus and about... With mental toughness as a concept, look at the name. it, it It's very gritty. It's very yeah. tough, yeah. and it, it's appealing to athletes and coaches and commentators because it it feels like it's like well everyone knows that this is something you need, and surely it's a real thing. And like I explained, them went into the detail. On the surface, that's correct, but actually, what makes strength? And and you look at like a big skyscraper. The way they build skyscrapers is that they build them so they can flex in, in the wind. So think about maybe shift your mindset around being tougher to being, what's gonna make me the best runner I can be? And being able to be flexible across those different distance races. You need to be flexible in your mindset. You know, you can, If you think, oh, I can do what I do in the 5K in the marathon, I'll be okay, we we'll have just dismissed that. But maybe work at a level where you're thinking about your emotional flexibility. And then train it, not just in your running, but think about the rest of your life. If you're doing the best training ever, but outside of running, your life is a bit chaotic, you've got loads going on that's, you know, we can't be perfect and it's hard. Maybe invest a little bit of time on yourself and your time away from running to look after yourself, look after your life. And when you look at elites, one of the things that they're often able to do is they when they're kind of having their best spells they're able to manage their life outside of their sport with what they need to do in their sport and i'm really wanting to help runners of all levels learn from what best practice looks like and feed it down to everyone from you know a top level runner to park runner who just wants to get quicker
2: yeah it's a fascinating area if people want to find out more about your work and and what you do where, where can they where can they go
4: Okay, so I have my consultancy, Endurance Mind Coaching, which is EnduranceMindCoaching.com. That's where I've got information about programs, whether you want to work one-to-one with me or whether you need something very specific, a small hit where I can uh, maybe jump on a call and give you that information that you need in the instant and not over the course of a training cycle. I have a podcast, a Focus Mind podcast, which can be found on Apple, Spotify and all the other good podcasts platforms and on there I've got a series of different interviews with athletes coaches and other sports psychologists using the best practice of stuff we've been talking about and hopefully able to give pithy concise easy to manage information that you can use in your running and performance. Stuart
2: thanks again for your time great to talk to you about this and love to have you back on at some point.
4: No problem I'd love to be able to do that.
2: So that brings us to the end of this week's Run as Well podcast. A huge thanks to our guest Stuart Holiday and to you of course for listening.
3: You can subscribe to three issues of Runners World for just £5. Head to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash Runners to get this exclusive listener offer. Please subscribe to the podcast. Feel free to go and rate us on all of your favourite places that you listen. Tell your family. Uh, just spread the word. <laughs> spread that running word. And that running word is Runners World UK Podcast. Thanks for listening. And you'll hear from us again next week.